Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. You see, parents have this way of not always listening. I mean really listening to what is going on with their kids. They rely on a lifetime of experience, assess the facts in front of them, and make a decision. It doesn't mean they're seeing all of the facts or have taken time to stop and realize they misinterpreted something as a fact when it was really just an assumption they made to fill in the cracks. You gotta cut them some slack though, it's it's hard being a parent, at least so I've heard. A friend once explained it to me like this. You see, when you become a parent, you spend the rest of your days in constant worry and stress. Are the kids safe? Are you raising them right? Money's tight, how can I give them a better life than I had if I can't even afford to buy a new pair of underwear right now? So you do what you gotta do and you wear those famous dad underwear with holes in the crotch and elastic so far gone, it's only the spare tire on your waist holding them up anymore. The constant worry of am I good enough for them? Am I setting a good example and I have no idea what I'm doing combined with the strongest love you've ever felt for anything and well, he said, that's being a parent. So parents make mistakes. Well, for a full week, Roger, now grounded and stuck in his room with nothing to do, turned that moment over and over in his head. Not that being grounded mattered at all, though the whole situation shook him up so bad that he couldn't stop thinking about it. Not that he'd let Jimmy or his dad see it, of course, but he was scared and confused. Something about this whole mess just didn't add up. Rounding that bend, watching that deer being savagely ripped apart by, well, nothing but thin air. Nah, that, that wasn't right. There was something there. Something his mind hadn't fully registered in the moment. Something that his eyes and brain picked up on because of the shock of the moment his mind trying to process and relay the grisly scene to a stunned Roger. Somehow that message had been lost in translation, so to speak. Now Roger was pretty well educated in the ways of the wild. He grew up in the woods, but his eyes and brain were slow to connect in that moment. You know, have, have you ever seen those word puzzles that are designed to wow the reader with just how strong the human brain can be. You know the ones I'm talking about? All the words are spelled horribly wrong, using a mix of letters and numbers to form words, or maybe completely misspelling words so horribly 
that on first glance it all looks like just a bunch of gibberish, but when you look a little closer, you realize that you can actually read all of it with no problem at all. Those are the puzzles I'm talking about. See, we're wired so that as we grow and gain knowledge in life, such as the ability to read, for example, we constantly become more and more efficient. Our brain learns to look at something it's done or seen many times before, and even if something is different or out of place, it simply fills in the blanks and finishes the transcription for us so that we can better understand what we're looking at faster. You could say it creates a mental shorthand to make communication with the senses such as our eyesight or smell happen much faster than it otherwise possibly could. We don't take the time to sound out every single letter of every word we read. Instead, the words are recalled as the familiar, well, I guess you could say the familiar shapes are recognized. But that's where the problem lie for Roger. As he continued this tale, he, he paused for a moment because I could tell he was really searching for words on how to explain just what had been going on for him in that moment. You see, while he'd certainly seen injured animals in the wild before, hell, just the year before during deer season, he'd had to put his deer down up close because he had spine shot the poor thing and while it couldn't move, it was still very much alive. So walking up to it, its eyes locking on him in pain and confusion and terror, well, really wasn't much pain because it was spine shot so it was paralyzed but either way it was confused and scared and he mercifully ended its suffering with another well-placed shot from point-blank range so when he saw that deer laying there on the trail a mess of torn flesh and blood and it raised its head his mind filled in the blanks his mind told him there was nothing there but this horribly wounded deer and when the head raised, his mind connected the dots and told him the deer had locked eyes with him in pain and fear and confusion, because that's what his mind recognized as the familiar shape of past experience. But then his mind told him there was something there. The slightest shimmer in the light between the deer and himself. He could have sworn he saw the spray of blood landing on something. So out of instinct, his fight-or-flight response kicked in, and to Roger's credit, he fought. He squeezed that trigger with no hesitation. And as he squeezed and the blast from his shotgun erupted into the crisp autumn air, his mind told him all he had seen was just an optical illusion from the air being disturbed as it ripped out the end of the barrel. As he sat and stared out the window over the course of that week, his eyes and his mind finally caught up to each other. And they told him a different story. You see, that deer never looked at him. It had raised its head while it was being attacked, but it was looking at something he couldn't see. Something between the deer and himself. It was looking in confusion and fear and pain at whatever it was that had brutally attacked it and had it pinned to the ground. 
and there was something there. The shimmer he had seen had been real, and the blood spraying from the deer had been clinging to whatever it was. It all happened so fast, so there wasn't much time to notice features, but it was big. Hunched over, like a mound of muscle and bone and claws. Worse yet, it had turned to rush at them as he had squeezed the trigger. That blood-soaked face nothing but a shimmering outline of snarling rage and hate, looking to tear both he and Jimmy apart. You know, I've asked this question many times on this journey, as I shared Ben's story of his encounter with old Zeke and of myself as this whole search for Mystery Minnesota unfolded. You ever found yourself in a position where something you've known your whole life, something you are positive is factual and true, is suddenly rearing the ugly head of doubt and uncertainty, flaunting just how wrong you are in front of your face every chance it gets <sighs> you know as a child i was afraid of the dark and of the monsters that i just knew lived there the monsters that hid under my bed waiting to grab my foot if it hung over the edge and to drag me under to who knows where didn't matter where because if the monsters got me, it was all over. I'd never get anywhere. Then my parents did their best to teach me that monsters aren't real. That there's nothing hiding in the dark. That the worst fears we face are all made up by our own overactive imaginations. And we, as children, slowly start to believe them. Ever so slowly, our mind fills in one more gap for us in its quest to become more efficient. Suddenly, those small details that used to frighten us in the dark become something our brain just glosses over and ignores so we can sleep through the night. That scary thump we just heard in the dark was indeed actually just the wind. That evil, twisted-looking monster man-thing with glowing eyes and sharp twisted fangs is just indeed our dirty clothes and bath towel laying on the chair across the room but as we get older we start to notice things that make us question if that shadow we saw on the floor was actually from the moonlight pushing through that slit in your curtains or if it was really something moving Usually we don't spend any time thinking about it. Occasionally, days, even weeks later, the thought will pop up while we are zoning out, driving to work, and we'll get a bit of a shiver as we entertain the idea that maybe there was actually someone staring at you from outside the open bedroom door. Then we get to work and forget about it all again. The mind is a funny thing. It's pretty miraculous how it can fill in these gaps in real time so effortlessly and so efficiently that unless we stop to really think about things, we'll never even notice it. 
Roger, though, well, he had plenty of time to think about it. Maybe too much time, according to some, and the more he turned that moment over in his mind, the more he became convinced of what he had seen. Remember, he was in his room, grounded, that entire week, which meant all he did was go to school, come home, and go up to his room. He was in hot water. His dad was furious. But whatever that peppermint-scented, rage-fueled killing machine was, it had been right there in front of them, enjoying the mutilation of that harmless little deer. And he and Jimmy had disturbed its fun. In that moment, he hadn't even realized he was firing his gun to protect Jimmy. Nah, there was, there was no time to think at all. This was purely instinct, no time for a fully formed thought to register. Had he waited for that, they might both be dead. No, he squeezed that trigger out of pure instinct. That fight or flight response, and thankfully for Roger and Jimmy, Roger was built to fight. He wasn't built to back down. And the second that blood-soaked face turned its gaze on him, even as he saw through the creature to the deer behind, it was his survival instincts grabbing hold of the reins and doing what needed to be done to keep him and Jimmy alive. And keep them alive, it did. When he fired, he saw the blast hit the deer, putting it out of its misery, but he saw that shimmering form waver as well. It flinched, and it fled. As Jimmy raced back to the house to go get their dad, Roger walked up to the deer, choking back the bile in his throat as that cloying peppermint and blood odor hung in the air like one of Jimmy's burrito farts. He saw the deep gashes torn in the flesh of the deer. He saw how the blood seemed to be splattered in streaks across the forest floor. Almost like it was thrown first one direction, then the next. The deer, however, had never moved. He could see its tracks as they left the edge of the woods to cross the trail, the ground still soft with spots of bare mud and remnants of the early snow showing. That deer had been walking, not running which meant that deer wasn't chased. That deer wasn't aware its life was about to be stolen. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the white-tailed deer, but they are a very elusive creature, very skittish and very wary of anything that could represent a threat to their safety. If a white-tailed deer had a motto, it'd probably be to run first look for safety later and this deer wasn't running it felt no threat until it was too late roger couldn't see underneath where the deer lay but from where he knelt it sure looked like the tracks just disappeared almost almost like the deer had been set to jump across the trail and, and been caught in midair he didn't even know if that was possible, but it's the only thing he could think of. 
Of course, he tried to tell his dad all of this, begged him to just look at the ground. His answer was to drag Roger home, his ear pinched between the fingers of one hand with the shotgun clenched in the other. When they got to the house, he fought that whole night to get his dad to listen, to see and understand what he had just experienced, what he thought had actually happened, and what he knew to be true. But his dad, like most adults and most parents, let his brain fill in those gaps. He didn't even notice his brain was filling those gaps. It made assumptions. Can't blame a guy. I mean, what sounds more plausible? That your kid just poached a deer out of season or that there was some kind of invisible monster in the woods? You know, it's the, the ultimate trick of the mind or so rather than even entertain the thought that his son had actually seen some sort of monster that killed that deer and then shot the creature and the deer in one shot as it fled at the same time protecting both Jimmy and himself his dad's mind shut it all down and assured him there was nothing to go bump in the night no monsters under the bed the only logical explanation was that his son had an itchy trigger finger and couldn't resist shooting a deer out of season when it was just that close. It's funny, because Jimmy never told their dad that Roger had shot the deer. He barely managed to get any words out at all due to his panicky state and gagging over that smell. Jimmy's words amounted to something like, Roger, deer, on the trail. Blood everywhere, gunshot. And that was all his dad needed to hear to let his mind tell him he knew all he needed to know. Deer season was only a week away and the boy had gotten carried away with excitement to be out hunting. Roger didn't even bother to try and get his dad to believe him about the smeared tracks of some heavy creature that went just a few feet before disappearing altogether just past the mess of deer carcass. He didn't bother to tell him about how those tracks, all claws and heavy imprints, seemed to have one side dragging. And he didn't tell him how those dragging tracks vanished, but the blood trail they were leaving did not. It arced off into the woods somewhere, and Roger knew he should have given chase and ended whatever it was right then. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. 
Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice. Really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us, because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota.